Philadelphia thug hellion Jew who hated this movement's guts for years. Takes money from the Mafia to make the Mafia look good in his newspapers, so he has the Mafia in his back pocket. John Knight sent the Mafia to murder me in May 1991. Illegible. Journalist. Illegible. Then gloated to my face about death and Knight Ritter great power to destroy. In fact, John Knight went into hellion binge of joy over Knight Ritter's great power to destroy. I secured house with glass doors and fled the country in June 1991. NBC attorneys, journalists, and security officials at Rockefeller Center, fraudulently under the Freedom of Information Act, all illegible, orders NBC executives got the U.S. Federal District Attorney's Office, who got the FBI, to get Interpol to establish task force that located me in Dover, England. Which back home, Inquirer got union goons from their own employees' union to illegible, down a sports journalist, who with ease bashed in lights and windows of neighborhood car, as well as men outside my house. They are stationed there, still waiting for me. NBC, CBS, Group W, Westinghouse, Time, Time Warner, Fox, Universal, all of the cult of the Hellion. Each one were much worse than Knight Ritter ever was, mostly Hellion Jews. Then, KYW and NBC executives told John Knight the whole coven gloated in joyous fits on how their Soviet pals found a way to turn it into a... Toynbee idea, in movie, 2001... Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. Powerful. Now, you may be saying to yourself, what the fuck am I listening to? The answer to that is the Alex cast. But tonight, and tonight only, and probably just for a little bit of the front of the show, this is the Toynbee cast. That's right, the Toynbee cast. We shall be reaching deep into the realms of the esoterica the misty, strange, occult areas of Philadelphia <laughs> to discuss vinyl decals in asphalt from the early 80s. It's, it's hard to make it sound really dramatic. It's a very interesting mystery, but, um, you know, it's basically tiles in asphalt. Backing up a little bit, remember when I said, and I was pretending to be you, and I said, what the fuck am I listening to? You're listening to the Alex cast, I'm not going to do this again. But tonight, uh, right now, we're going to be talking about the Toynbee tiles. If you're not familiar with the Toynbee tiles, I shall hip you to them momentarily. Scene. Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. Penn's Woods. That's what Pennsylvania means. 
1982. Strange things happening on Chester Street. Letters, words, tiles embedded in the very pavement itself, giving a story about Toynbee, about 2001, about Kubrick, about tiles. So, in about 1980-something, and it's really difficult to figure out, but let's just say late 70s, early 80s, definitely early 80s, there starts to appear tiles that have been um, melted, I guess would be the word, you know, kind of uh, placed into the asphalt in streets in Philadelphia. They all had uh, words on it to the effect of Toynbee idea in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. The longer bit of reading that I started with was one of the sequence of uh, tiles that, uh, I guess, put forth the story that the man that was laying the tiles wanted us to know about Mr. Knight Ritter and the Hellion Jews, etc. Now, a few things that are happening here that I think we need to cover. One, you should be very impressed that I didn't say Knight Rider once, because I grew up in the 80s, and it was a very popular show, but I said Knight Ritter every time. Two, I had to re-record because I referred to it as Denver, England, not Dover, but you didn't really need to know that, but I'm a man that likes to be honest with his audience. Three. I don't really have a three. So, basically, these tiles start showing up. Uh, they're found in New York, Pennsylvania, D.C., um, as far west as, like, um, I wish I hadn't said it, it's like Iowa, maybe. And one was found in Chile, I think. Let me see if I can't find this information for you. Um, the one in Chile is, uh, how is it? Yeah, uh, uh, Santiago de Chile. And in that one, it was, uh, an address in Philadelphia. That tile said, uh, number, 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 South 7th Street, Philadelphia. Now, uh, that number is publicly available, but I, I don't know, I don't really feel like reading out some guy's address on my show, because I don't know him. So anyway, these start happening, they're around. Fast forward to where the story really starts getting interesting. 1997 through 2000, because I don't remember, I, Alex Cast, found a Toynbee tile. <gasps> I'll take, just give you a second to catch your breath. I was going into New York City for some reason. Uh, this isn't that weird because I lived very close to New York City. So it was, I just had to go a few miles and then I was there. Um, I don't remember what the reason I was going, but the secondary reason was I had heard about these Toynbee tiles and I was trying to check one out. And I found one uh, like two blocks away from the one I was going to. I went, oh, fuck, that, the address I found on, you know, whatever AOL bulletin board or whatever primitive internet it was back then um must have been wrong the address so i found it i was like oh wow cool look that's what it looks like and i was like this looks very much like i saw on the internet but whatever uh and then i uh continued my walk because that is the route i planned to go wherever i was going but you know some kind of concert or orgy or something and uh a few blocks later lo and behold there's the toynbee tile that i was going there for and i said 
Heavens and Murgatory! This is the one I was coming for. That one was not even referenced on the website. I don't even know if I knew the term website back then. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I knew what a website was. Anyway. I said, wow, look at that. So I wrote to um, the uh, website and said, hey, look, I found one. And I think I was the first one to report that. But also, this is a lot of years ago, so I don't really remember. But it was exciting. And uh, when I was in Philadelphia, I went and visited one as well. And um, pretty exciting. Though, to be honest, when I tell this story in public, not like it, you know, not really a story so much to tell the, my history with the Toynbee Trials. I feel like I used to say I discovered one in Philly, but I, I feel, here's the problem, is I don't really, I feel like that's just impossible. And there was a bunch in Philadelphia. That's kind of where, that's where it started. And I think maybe I just kind of started saying that, not so much as a lie, but as a, a fact that wasn't true. Well, it's a lie, really. Because, uh, you know, I wanted to feel more important. I was young. I had ego issues. But uh, the reason I say that is because I may have found one in Philly as well, but it's not like it matters because there was hundreds in Philadelphia. Maybe hundreds is an exaggeration. I don't really know. So that's the Toynbee tiles. Uh, fast forward from there to 2011. A documentary film came out called Resurrect Dead, the mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. It's directed by John Foy. Fast forward, 2015. I saw that documentary. Rewind two years. I found a Toynbee Tile in Portland. Now, this one had been uh, well, well covered uh, on the internet, but I did not know that. I was just walking home uh, from work, and um, I went, holy fuck, a Toynbee Tile. Because I honestly didn't know they were in Portland. I hadn't thought about them in many years. Well, maybe I've thought about them, but it never, you know, it wasn't like a thing I was really looking into anymore. I certainly didn't think there was any on the West Coast. And I went, oh, fuck, a Toynbee tile. That's really exciting. So I took a picture of it and posted it on Twitter or whatever. I was like, oh, wow, that's fucking amazing. And then found another one in Portland. I went, holy fuck, I found two in Portland. And this is not exaggeratory storytelling. I actually found two in Portland without having any prior knowledge of their being there. Now... Portland is a bunch of uh, weirdos and people that want to seem like they're weirdos and assholes on tall bikes and juggalos. So it's not that surprising that somebody decided to start making tiles. So I'm, you know, what are you getting? I'm not going to, you know, this isn't special. It's not the original Toynbee maker. So I mean, maybe I, there's probably a small chance that um, there is, it is, but it's not. Let's just, let's just be reasonable human beings, which I know it's not a a strong suit for this show, being a reasonable human being, but, you know, it is what it is. I ran out of steam on that sentence, I'm sorry, and I didn't know how to finish it, I should have just bailed. Now I've bailed. Successfully. Fast forward. Or am I in the past? Wait, yeah, because I went backwards to tell you how I found the, the... Okay, so fast forward. Now. I watched uh, Resurrect Dead by John... What did I say? Foy? Um, yeah, John Foy. On recommendation of our friend and yours, Martin J. Clemens, from martinjclemens.com, at 14writer on Twitter, he told me to watch it, and yeah, it's a fantastic documentary. Really enjoyed it. I thought they handled it super well. They make a... Well, what, what I feel to be a pretty convincing case that they have uh, cracked the case, let's say. 
Um, if you're at all interested in it, watch it. It's super cool. It's, I think if you're one of the listeners that likes that, uh, how to put it, likes the, um, the less completely batshit side of batshit stuff that I talk about, you know, cause there is, you know, there's varying layers of, of wackiness on the show, obviously. Um, the, I know a lot of people like a little bit more the kind of down, like, like a little more Bigfoot, a little less trans-dimensional Bigfoot that are soldiers for aliens. You know what I'm saying? So this would be a good one for you guys that, uh, find yourself wanting for something a little more tangible. Something you can really sink your fingers into and rip the jugular out of. I I mean, that wasn't, I mean, it was visually evocative, but it didn't really, didn't really work for the situation. Anyway, fast forward to me rewinding again. Two weeks ago, I went and t- took a picture of Toynbee Tile and posted it on Twitter again because I was actually being social. And I was like, hey, look, person I'm hanging out with, there's a Toynbee Tile. And I got some, I like, esoteric points for that. And you know me. My entire life revolves around people giving me credit because, frankly, I... Don't feel like I was loved enough as a child. That's the first time I've ever said that without making some kind of sexual abuse joke. I must be aging. I must be growing. That aging thing is foreshadowing to a later thing in this show. Foreshadowing. Show prep. The Alex cast entering a new level of amazing. That being, you know, the same level of mediocrity. Toyn B. Tiles. Watch the documentary. The end. <laughs> An essay by Alex Cast. I don't know when I decided to stop saying my last name. It's Bolin. I wrote, I wrote a fucking I wrote two books with my last name on the cover. So I don't know why. I just kind of wanted to call myself Alex Cast. Uh, I'm not really sure why that is. I'm sorry, guys. I think I'm a little thrown off. You know what I'm throwing off? I don't have my headphones on. Hold on. This will solve everything. Ah, uh, that's the stuff. Ooh, that sounds like shit. What do you want? Hold on, I'll fix this. I fixed it. Um, my uh, studio, and I'm using that term very lightly, is is falling apart. I need a new... Well, I really only need, like... I need a new powered... Uh, what are those things called? Headphone splitter. And I need two new pairs of headphones. Which, actually, these are things I can... Well, I can't afford right now, but are within my realm of affording so but if you're if you're like a wealthy person and it's listening uh alex cast at gmail.com alex always spelled with two x's feel free to uh, donate to there because i you know i i could always use donations because then i can like buy stuff because there's a lot of things i need well not need but i would like for the studio um oh this is a good time to talk about this hold on i'm gonna take a sip of this delightful beverage here let's see if you guys can guess what i'm drinking um it won a blue ribbon once, and it's established in Milwaukee in 1844. I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with hapsts. That's right. Hapst. Blue ribbon. Not Heineken. I hate that shit. One thing I can't stand is one fucking beer. Makes me want to fucking puke. It's from Blue Velvet. I'm going to stop doing that now. This has been Alex Quotes movies that you probably don't remember that line from. 
Yeah, so uh, if you want to... No, yeah, I said that part already. Yeah, there's a PayPal button on there. Feel free to donate. Um, you can also go... To, there's an Audible link on my website. If you click the Audible link and get a, you get a free audiobook download. Like, it's completely free. All you got to do is sign up. You can sign up with your uh, Amazon sign-in details, I think. And then all you got to do is cancel within the first, like, 30 days. It, it tells you when it when you sign up. But, like, if, as long as you cancel, uh, you don't get charged fuck all. And uh, everybody that does that, I get 15 bucks, which is pretty cool. So if uh, you can do that or click the Amazon link before you shop on Amazon. Anyway, those are ways to give me money. I didn't mean to go down that route, but since I was talking about it, um, I was talking about it because of this. On uh, the day of our Lord, Halloween, and by on Halloween, I don't actually mean on actual Halloween, but sometime around Halloween, I'm going to be doing with the Whatcast, or at least one of the Whatcasts. I've only had one actually confirm, because Mateo of the Whatcast apparently seems incapable of using social media like a human being and actually responding to Twitter DMs. That's right, Mateo. I'm calling you the fuck out. Uh, so it's going to be me, Mateo, Mike, assuming Mateo joins in, maybe a couple other people. I'd actually probably like a couple other people. If you guys have any ideas that you want to join in, that'd be cool. We're going to do a live uh, on Google Hangouts thing. Um, theoretically, we might have uh, a video going so you can see what uh, all of our handsome faces look like. Um, preferably do a lot of drugs and get drunk first so we have handsome faces. Um, and I, the reason I was bringing up the money thing is that in the future, I would like to have, and it gets complicated here, I either need someone that's very good at computers and, and um, sound stuff and video, audio kind of things, or um, I still need one of those anyway, and I probably need it, and I need like another computer kind of deal, but I would like to have the ability to have people call in while we're doing that. But the problem is when you call in while doing that, I can't answer it because I'm already on Hangouts through the... It's like a... This is boring to y'all. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, just, you know, tell me. The point is, if you're good at computers and audio setup, you could probably help me out uh, And if you want to. But if not, whatever. We continue doing the show this way. The point is, end of October-ish, we're going to do a live thing, hopefully with some call-ins, definitely with extra guests, and we're going to do, like, kind of Halloween-y stuff. I don't know what it's going to be. Talk about Halloween stuff. Uh, maybe I'll carve a pumpkin live. On the show, I'll be like, look at my pumpkin carving ability. And then you can all watch me kind of, I'm sure I'll, I'll lose at least a bit of my finger. Cause face it, I know, you know, for the, for the listeners out there, I'm not particularly clumsy, but I don't really have like excellent knife skills. So, you know, this is like almost like a stunt show. Like I'm like, uh, this is like a jackass kind of thing. So keep, keep your uh, eyes open for that. I'll, um, Make an announcement on the old twit box there, um, at the AlexCast, or on, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash AlexCast. Or whatever it is, just search for AlexCast on Facebook, because, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, was, I didn't, didn't need to put because there. Speaking of call-ins, 503-468-6959. That is a phone number. If you call that phone number, you... We'll be in the running for the weekly brand new Alex contest, and you can win a chance to have an upwards of three minutes of your voice on the Alex cast. That's right. If you call twice, you have the chance of having an upwards of six minutes of your voice on the Alex cast. If you call three times, you will start to get on my nerves because I'm not playing nine minutes of your shit. In fact, six minutes is well too long, but I realize three is a little short if you're telling like a really good story. You have to get on with it, though. I understand that I kind of take the long way around sometimes. I think I'm actually re relatively uh, relatively brief 
in a lot of things I talk about. I could certainly languish on more, but I have to do that because I'm the host of the fucking show and I'm the only one here. Um, you calling in, your job is to quickly get your point across and then hang up. If I were, if this was a live call-in show, as referenced earlier, meander, enjoy yourself. I can talk back to you, you can talk to me, I can pull out the details that other less talented interviewers would not pull out. There's not very many less talented interviewers than me. So, 503-468-6959. Call, leaving upwards of three minutes of a message. I am going to play one now. Hi, Alex. This is Alex. The topic I would like to hear you discuss this week is Superhenge, and also what a more appropriate name for it should be. Thanks. Well, Alex, I appreciate your call. Your name sucks, and... I don't ever want you to call again. Uh, that was insulting to me and the august and proud history of my Alex family. Even though that's that's my first name, not my last name. So really, so yeah, you can keep calling. It's cool. So that was Alex. She wanted to know about Superhenge and what should a more appropriate name for it be. This, my friends is what I like to call Alex not doing show prep. Superhenge. Type it in. So, I know what it is. The Superhenge is, uh, so you know Stonehenge. Um, is in Salisbury Plain in Britain. <laughs> so, um, it's, in, it's in England, right? Oh, I'm so dumb. I don't know if it's in England or Scotland. Oh, it's got to be in England. Salisbury Plain is in, it's got to be England. Anyway. Oh, this, oh, I'm, I've rarely been this embarrassed. So anyway, I'm going to keep moving on. Um, it's definitely in England, I think. So yeah, I, uh, uh, so the super hinge is, I, I'm trying to, this, it see, takes oh, there we go. Breath of that was a CNN, uh, automatically playing video, which I didn't want. So super hinge is, it's a stone hinge. We all know that it is. Super hinge is a, a giant circle that goes around the inner circle, um, that we are aware of. So, um, Let's see if it says how long. So it's two miles from Stonehenge. Uh, it's 90 standing stones. Uh, blah, 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 blah. 4,500 years old. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Everything previously written about the Stonehenge landscape and the ancient monuments within it will be, need to be rewritten. So, anyway. I don't really agree with... Uh, whatever. I hate when people say shit like that, because here's the thing, is... is at least for me, I've I've been aware that there was more stuff at Stonehenge for quite a while. It was it was known because there was like they did like a uh, ground scan, ground penetrating radar or whatever, and there was stuff there, uh, other things. So it was well known. There was a a wooden uh, circle on the other side of Stonehenge, which isn't all that well known, and that was kind of the other part of the the ceremonial uh, playa, which isn't the right word, but I couldn't think of a good one. Uh, uh, ceremonial henge. Um, but uh, that was supposed to be like the way it go, well, the way they theorize, because it's one of those weird things that you know we don't have written records. Um, but uh, there was like a wood henge on the other side, and then there was this. Uh, the idea was like one was the land of the dead, and one was the land of life. And I guess the Stonehenge, I assume, was like dead, and uh, they had these giant like parties and orgies and shit. Um, that was weird. Second time I said orgy tonight. Hey, look at me. Uh, yeah, so there was there. There's a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, Superhenge is this giant circle near it. Might in, might encompass uh, uh, the actual Stonehenge area. 
And uh, yeah, now here's the thing, and the reason I wanted to specifically answer your question. One is I think I'll have fun coming up with different uh, names for it. And let me just type this in here. Um, the, the other henge you might know about is sea henge. That's a underwater uh, wood henge also in um, in uh, England. And when I say in England, I mean in Britain, because I don't really know. So, henge. The word henge refers to a particular type of earthwork of the Neolithic period, typically consistent of a roughly circular oval-shaped bank with an internal ditch surrounding a central flat area of more than 20 meters in diameter. There's typically uh, coves. Henge monument is sometimes used as a synonym for henge. Henge is sometimes, by no means always, featured stone or timber circles. A circle henge is sometimes used to describe these structures. Three blah 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 blah. Okay. This is the fun part. Uh, actually, let me read the whole thing. Sorry. The three largest stone circles in Britain, Avebury, the Great Circle at Stanton Drew Stone Circles, and the Ring of Brogdar, are each in a henge. Examples of henges without significant internal monuments are the three henges of Thornborough Henges. Although having given its name to the word henge, Stonehenge is an atypical henge in that the ditch is outside the main earthwork bank. Now, this is a confusing way to word this, and I learned this fact on QI, the best show ever made, starring Stephen Fry, the best narrator of Harry Potter ever. What they're actually saying is that Stonehenge, although the term henge that Japanese use, the Japanese, that was amazing. There's, on the top of the Wikipedia page, said, wow, that was awesome. It says, for the 2012 film, see Henge, uh, for Henge in Japanese folklore, see Yokai. And I was reading the word Japanese, I was reading the word Japanese and said that instead of archaeologist. That was fantastic. So anyway, the word Henge comes from Stonehenge. Archaeologists got that word from Stonehenge, but Stonehenge is not a henge because of the, uh, the, the trough is not, uh, the thing I just said before. Uh, the ditch is outside the main earthwork bank. So Stonehenge, which the word henge is derived from, is not technically a henge. I find that funny. The hengeform monument, like an ordinary henge except the central flat areas between 5 and 20 meters in diameter, they comprise a modest earthwork with a fairly wide outer bank. Mini henge or Dorchester hang, henge are sometimes used as synonyms for hengeform monument. An example is Neolithic blah blah blah, Dorchester. I wonder if that's one of those funny English words that uh they don't pronounce it. Shut up, Alex. So, uh, the other, I think it could be called, let's see, um, the super circle would be better. Um, uh, henge. I should have thought of this beforehand because I thought it was going to be fun to come up with funny names for henges and apparently, uh, I don't have any, which is unfortunate. So, I mean, maybe I can just talk more about Japan. <laughs> uh, well, okay, well, they could call it the Greater Henge. They could call it the Tengiest Henge. They could call it Hengerton. Greater Hengerton and Lesser Hengerton. So Greater Hengerton is the outer ring, and then Lesser Hengerton is is the inner ring. And then uh, Little Hengerton is uh, is uh, the Hengeform monument. In, in, in Dorchester. Dorchester. Yeah, there's your answer. So anyway, Stonehenge isn't a henge, even though they got the word henge from Stonehenge. Thank you, QI.
Thank you. Resurrect Dead. Twenty B ID and Movie 2001, Resurrect Dead, on planet Jupiter. You might be thinking, Alex, what does that mean? What do those words on the on the tile mean? I'm not going to tell you. That's what the documentary is for, mostly because it's too complicated. Um, basically, there was a guy called Arthur Toynbee. He might be Arthur, I don't know. And um, he wrote a book, and at one point he said something about the molecules of your body never go away, and they're going to be brought back together, and then on Jupiter, I guess you get to have another life. I'm not saying it made sense. I'm not saying I really gave it a really good summation, but... That's what it is. Twinbee tiles. Shut up, Alex. More stories. Our friend and yours, Stephanie, last name starting with a Q. Having just re finished reading Periphery, Periphery by Alex Bowen, Alex always spelled with two X's, available on Amazon.com, or click the books link on AlexCast.com. I, having just finished reading Periphery, I'd be interested in hearing about your favorite history pertaining to the Burned Over District. Also, any stories you may remember about how you learned about that history while growing up in the region. Uh, yeah, I'll read her comment too. Just a comment. I hear you and your guests referring to yourselves as being or becoming old. I'm numbers, and feel a bit taken aback at this sentiment. Frankly, I prefer to think of myself as chronologically enhanced. Try it on for size. Let us know what you feel. Well, Miss Stephanie, let us break this down. I can't speak for you, but I will speak for you. I'm sure that when you were 30, uh, I'm going to be 35, and a mere five days from time of recording, you would feel you may have felt that you're aging and feeling old. Just because you have now aged more does not take away from my feelings. For you blowing my candle out does not make yours burn any brighter. Jerk. I'm not actually calling you a jerk. Sorry, <laughs> I just I didn't know how to add that. Um, no, I hear you. I, that's got to be annoying. Um, I, I get annoyed when I hear people in their 20s say how they feel old. For me, I can't speak for my guests, but uh, for me, I have not done uh, what I wanted to do by this age. And it's not necessarily the age that's the problem. It's the, I keep aging and keep not having done things. And it's not that I'm um, avoiding stuff uh, because what I want to do isn't instantaneous. Like I want to be writing more books. I want to, you know, do creative things. Like I'm doing the things. It's just, they're not done yet. And it takes a long time, especially as a writer. It's just, you know, it's years between things. So it's, uh, for me, the feeling old is uh, a combination of that, of not feeling like particularly accomplished, and uh, frankly, uh, not having, uh, for for vast swaths of time, a, a, a partner of a romantic or a romantic variety. I know I said romantic twice because I couldn't think of another way to word it, but uh, that, you know, that kind of... Uh, it kind of compounds the feeling of aging because you're like, oh, well, there's no um, no one to go through this with, I suppose is the best way to say it. Uh, so, yes, I, I, I totally hear you. I, I, I can actually, I don't think I have the ability to stop doing it, but it is something I've thought of that I should try to not think of myself as old because, frankly, I'm not. Uh, someone I know has referred to being, uh, I'm going to be 35, as I said, a mere five days. Uh, I, I've been told that that is, that is in fact the best, according to that person, the best, in quotes, age for a guy. And, um, I should, I should focus on that instead of the feeling old. But, um, yeah, those are my reasons for feeling old. But, you know, I totally hear you. It's, uh, for me, it's almost like a crutch to uh, kind of fall back on or for like kind of a, an encompassing 
concept of the other things that I find uncomfortable about my life. Um, it's almost like a variable. So I should say, instead of feeling old, it's like more like I have X right now. And X is like, you know, the square root of alone multiplied by uh, the addition of, uh, of uh, non-accomplishment plus uh, previous accomplishments not done as well, multiplied by kin grouping distance, multiplied by, you know, like, so it's more of like a, a, a placeholder, a, 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 a box in which to hold things. That didn't make any sense. Anyway, no, I hear you. Uh, we should really uh, stop saying that. You're absolutely right. And frankly, 53 isn't old either. Oh, I just said your age. Fuck. Sorry. Well, whatever you wrote to me. So, yeah, I said your age. Oops. I, I was... I was being gallant uh, the first time, and then I just fucked up. That's not old either. Like, in nowadays, like, and that's another thing, too, is I feel like um, the concept of age is kind of not caught up with medicine and modern culture. So there's still this kind of concept where, you know, people are old at an age where they're not old, uh, which sounds stupid. But, like, there's some spry motherfucking 70-year-olds, you know, while, you know, 40 years ago, uh, a 70-year-old was ancient like you didn't see like uh you know bernie sanders or whatever i think he's 70 like he's running around doing shit i mean there's actors that are 70 something that look fucking fantastic so i think that's another part of it is that there's this kind of like 20 year gap like i think like yeah it's almost like 20 years so like i think like well it's kind of slowly growing 20 years so like what people are 21 now are what like you know a generation before we're at uh you know 18 and then like 25, you know, now is them at 21. Basically, we're immature, not immature, but like we've got a longer lifespan. So there's less like this. Like, because I mean, if you watch those old movies, there's some old, there's dudes that look like proper adult old, like line grizzled old at 35. I mean, mostly because they lived on cigarettes, whiskey, and, you know, uh, I don't even think they invented f fucking penicillin yet, but, you know. <laughs> I think that's cute, kind of catching up with that. I mean, the fact that we can still watch movies of, you know, there's movies with, like, Bogart, where he's, you know, he's, like, 27, and dude looks 50 of our years, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> I didn't even fucking address your thing. I did not grow up near the Burnover District, to be honest with you. I grew up south of there. Uh, the, so, ooh, let's catch everybody up. So, I wrote a book called Periphery. Uh, if you're listening to the show, you should read it. Uh, it's a good book if you don't have the money to buy it on Amazon. Um, you can uh, just write me. I'll send you a PDF if you'd like. I'd very much like if you've read the book to leave a review on Amazon, unless you read the book and didn't like it, and then don't leave a review for the love of God because I have a low enough self-esteem as it is. There's one bad review on there, and it bothers me to no end. In fact, I'm going to read that bad review momentarily. Um, so I didn't grow up uh, near the... I grew up sort of near the Burnover District, but it was super... I was super south of it. That's in New York State, and I think... Like Connecticut-ish? I, I don't really know off the top of my head. I ran into it the first time when, um, what was it called? It was by Mitch Horowitz, I think. Um, there was something close to that. Occult America was the name of the book. Or something like that. I'm going to search for this and then I hopefully that's close enough. It was Mitch something. Oh, Mitch Horowitz. Was that actually right? Holy fuck. I can't believe I just remembered that. Is this the book I'm thinking of? No way. Yeah, I think that is it. Though that's a different cover than I remember. Me. Let me. I'm bringing this up though, Mr. Horowitz. You're about to get a. 
Qualgon, a show that's vastly... Oh, you don't have many reviews either. You're looking at 59 customer reviews? Wow. Uh, yeah, this is it. So, um, I read in 2000... What year did this come out? Because I, I saw a review of this come out on Boing Boing, uh, like, the month it came out. Um, it says the paperback was 2010. I wonder if there's a hardback. Um... Anyway, whatever. So, uh, so let's just say 2010. I read this book and I heard that the term, uh, burn over district. Now, oh, f Jesus Christ. I'm just, <sighs> sorry, guys. I'm so irritated with myself right now. Okay. If you have not read my book while I keep getting distracted and going on tangent, I'm not going to tangent anymore. This episode. There, the the book periphery takes place. Uh, basically, the the thumbnail sketch is there's a strange kind of office, using the term office quite loosely, in the woods that trains people to look at at the side of their eyes, uh, very much metaphorically. And there's you know kind of another world operating there, the periphery. That's the title. Uh, those, the offices are in a place called the Burnt Over District, or the Burned Over District, or the District of Burned, or the Ex Post Facto Burning District of District. I covered it. That is why she's asking about it, that is why I brought up my book, as, you know, but if you had read my book, I didn't have to explain this, and I would have made an ass out of myself. Japanese. So, get back to the question, now that we've got ourselves back on terra firma, a firm facts of Alex wrote a book, and he knows where it takes place. So I read this book in 2010, and uh, I saw the burnt over... Now, it had to be earlier than that, because... What year is it? Uh, whatever. Whenever this book came out, I heard about the burnt over district. And um, I had heard about it uh, without, like, having um, firm knowledge. Like, I knew that in New York somewhere there was these uh, kind of weird New Age stuff that happened back in the 1800s or whatever. Um, I know the Russian mystic, uh, 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 Madame Bloodfotsky either went there or there was a group that started around her. The dude that started Mormonism popped through there. There's a bunch of just weird shit happened in this one area. I found out about that uh, through that book. And I think I may have been just writing periphery at that point. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect for it because it just fits the themes perfectly. Like it's, it's, it was, you know, the natural place to put it. And it was already like kind of in my head. That was sort of where I was picturing the scenes when I was writing it anyway, like not exactly there, but like that, that certainly fit the bill. So that's, yeah. So I don't really have any stories about the history because I, I didn't know about it. Um, I mean, I didn't know about it in any kind of, you know, uh, direct way. The more I'm talking about this, you know, I feel like maybe I did when I was a kid, but, uh, let me put it this way. I didn't have the direct knowledge of it to the point that when I was writing the book, that's something I had in my mind. I had to be reminded of it. Because actually, I actually think we passed through there when I was a kid because we used to go on these long road trips, which we called torture rides. And my father would just drive us around and waste all of our time and gas. Um, and I think we ended up going through there at one point. And I think that's why I knew the stories of the weird shit. But anyway, now, sorry, I don't have um, uh, a good story of the history because that's just it. Uh, you can read. I totally recommend Mitch Horowitz, Occult America. I really like that book a lot. Um, really great outline of, you know, the cult influences and the foundation of America and then kind of the later years, how it influenced the culture and really fantastic book. Um, really dig it. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, thank you.
uh, uh, I don't know why I just said thank you. Here is um, uh, two um, uh, the, my two star review. This is the only bad review I have. Um, I, want, I want to read this. I'm going to read the one that uh, I just got that I don't know if I'm supposed to say who it came from, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, so how do I get to the... Oh, the most critical review was by Deb. Uh, she gave it two stars and then um, wrote, Weird. Now, I, uh, I need to back this up for a second. I'm going to read you the... I'm going to read you the description of, of my book on, on Amazon. I'm not saying it's the best description ever. It was actually... It was one of the more difficult things for me to uh, write. Uh, it, it was difficult, because I didn't know how to do it. Anyway, so... And, you know, maybe this will sell some books. So, there was an old Victorian house posing as an office in the burnt-over district. In that office, a giant, a waif, and a child wait for someone who can be shown the true nature of the world. John is a man with a talent to see what is not there, or, at least, what was not there until that fateful day when a wanad caught his eye and sent him into the depths of the woods, into the periphery. Then have a little break, and here's a quote from the book. In a break in the trees above the street, a start to the sky, there is glowing in the ether. The sky is now a fading yellow as he watches the winged shapes perform delicate motions upon the horizon. He sees a singular bird amongst the flock, appearing more mammalian than avian. A bird falls to his right, bouncing slightly upon impact with the street. He looks disturbed as a black shape bounces stiffly on the sidewalk. Startled, he watches as another falls. His nerves run electric as yet another bird drops from the sky, and another, and another. It rains birds. Gripping. But, the reason... Oh, that's weird? That shocked you? Oh yeah, that's a bad re You know, I read that. Uh, when I was buying this book, I read that, I went, you know, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a pretty normal book, so I'm going to say, this is weird, and give it a chew, you fucking idiot. How, damn you, damn you straight to hell, because, what the fuck, I, I talk about birds falling in the goddamn sky, jerks. Here's a good review I just got. Fortunately, other reviewers have already done a good job of describing the overall feel and characteristics of this book. Periphery is quite a unique and complex, so it is almost impossible to fit into standard categories of literature without being misleading. So I'll just list a few books which I have some resonance with the characters' concerns and brushstrokes of periphery in order to whet the palate of future readers. Thank you for spelling whet correctly. W-H-E-T. Uh, People spell it W-E-T. Whet like a whetstone. It's to sharpen like you whet your whistle. The overall scale of the subject and relation between the universe and the individuals calls to mind John Cowper Powers Poyes. Oh, geez, I don't know how to read that. Glastonbury Romance. I'm sorry, I've never actually heard that out, said out loud. The Spiritual Warrior's Quest and Enigmatic Teachers puts me in mind of Ursula K. Le Guin's Wizard of Ursi series and, to a lesser extent, Carlos Castaneda's books. Beautiful. Fans of Dion Fortune's Psychic Self-Defense and Tales of Dr. Taverner will rejoice to find a few more tales from the field. Nods to the tradition of magical realism naturally abound, and one may detect a whiff of Portlandian steampunk, though the action takes place in the burnt-over district, which yielded the Fox sisters and Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith, that's the guy. Readers may expect a mental workout while scrappling with conceptual gymnastics reminiscent of college-level astronomy or high school calculus. At the same time, graphically earthy images keeps one well-grounded in the senses. The extra effort demanded of the reader is amply rewarded at every level in which a novel can deliver. Accept an invitation to an adventure of the soul. Read Periphery. Damn fucking straight. 
That review is helpful to me. I shall click yes. Thank you for the review. Now to toot my own horn more. And, uh, I don't really have another more tooting horn. I've, uh, I was looking at my other book, The Void Sutras, and, um, oh, here's, I forget if I, if I said this on the show, but anyway, Michael Logan, um, gave five stars with a bunch of exclamation marks. And it, so I need, I needed, <laughs> Michael, if, if you're a listener or if anybody knows Michael Logan, please let's, let's follow up with this. I need, I need, okay. Jesus, this dude is so crafty. Ever since I bought this collection, I can't shut up about it. If I'm on the bus, I'm reading it to those lucky souls huddled around me, desperate for the arcane wisdom hidden in these prosaic words. When I'm at work, I'm constantly quoting this guy. Oh, did I mention? Four months ago, I commented, did you mention what? This mystery needs resolution. He d that's it. That's the end of the thing. Oh, did I mention? Oh, you, you crafty bastard. How Dare you, sir? But thank you, Michael Logan. You are you are a, uh, a wonderful uh, man. I'm assuming we can safely say Michael is a man's name. You can tell I live in Portland for too long because I'm concerned about being gender biased based on names. Anyway, thank you, people that I just read stuff from. You know uh, the Burnover District uh, in New York. Uh, it was called that because there was this massive fire that got burnt over pretty obvious. Spanish coffees also get burnt over. You know what Spanish coffees get served at? The standard. <laughs> the segue. The standard is a bar in Portland that I like very much. Don't order a fucking Spanish coffee there, because, I mean, it might be good, I don't know, but it looks like it's a lot of work. But I just couldn't think of any kind of burn-flaming thing that was like a cross. Oh, here we go. Let me do this again. We're backing up. The Burner Over District is a place in New York, and it was named so because of the burnt over thing. Much like the Flaming Mo from The Simpsons, which you may remember from an episode of The Simpsons. The Simpsons, created by Matt Groening, born in Portland, Oregon. Weirdly enough, Portland, Oregon is where a bar I like to go to called The Standard. They may not have a Flaming Mo, but they do have $3 microbrews on Sunday nights. Boom! Segway. Facebook.com slash The Standard PDX. If you go to Facebook.com slash The Standard PDX, you will see information pertaining to the bar I'm currently talking about. And if you're not into synchronicity, then I don't know what the fuck you're listening to here because I have some synchronicity shit. Man, I was thinking about going to this website, and then the next thing I know, I was there. Creepy. Wednesdays are $1 hams night. Hams is a cheap domestic American beer. In fact, the next beer I have on my list to drink tonight is a Hams because, um... I had two beers in my fridge, and I brought them both with me, because, well, quite frankly, I overslept on a nap earlier, and then, um, uh, I don't think I'm going to be going to sleep anytime soon, so I thought I'd start drinking some nap-nap juice. None of that made sense. Speaking of nap-nap juice, you can get some of the standard 14 Northeast 22nd in lovely, beautiful, spacious Northeast Portland. Uh, if you don't live in Portland, it's terrible. Don't come here. Don't fucking come here. If you live here, please go to the standard 14 Northeast 22nd. Fantastic. Great place. Uh, Facebook.com slash the standard PDX. Any other questions, please refer them to my Twitter at the Alex cast. Yes. You can ask me questions about the standard via my Twitter or Facebook, facebook.com slash Alex cast, or you can email me alexcast at gmail.com or any other form of social media. I'm on Instagram. I think yeah, I am. And others. Who cares? Look, the point is get in touch, talk, let's dish. Uh, people have been writing me lately, which I've been very, very happy about. Um, I have like three different correspondences going, uh, as as played on a voicemail last week, 
I um, bitch about people not um, contacting me on the show and that, uh, uh, you know, the, the interaction is going down. Well, the thing is, I enjoy interaction. And it seems to be coming back on the upswing. Or at least there's now, like, a few people that like to write to me. And that's like, hey, look, I have somebody to... Shut up, Alex. So, the last question is... Oh, I should have opened with this because I actually don't have a really good answer. But I want to answer it anyway because uh, this this person has been very nice uh, on the Facebook page. So, uh, Corey asks, if you haven't covered them before, how about your the chaos magic option of alternate dimensions and if you've ever been to such places? So, oh, you know what? Actually, I can talk about that. Um, I can't talk about the um, Chaos Magic thing, because honestly, I don't know if Chaos Magic has uh, any um, opinions on alternate dimensions. I would assume... Hmm. The kind of modern interpretation, uh, when I say modern interpretation, I mean probably the last like 20, 30 years of Chaos Magic interpretation has been almost this kind of hacker thing, where it's like you're hacking your brain to view the universe differently. Yeah, hacking the planet, you know. Um... Under that, guys, I don't, I can't imagine that there'd be much kind of alternate dimension, uh, thing. Um, well, so let's just, I'm dropping the, um, dropping the whole, uh, chaos magic side of the question. But for me, uh, I talked about it on, was it on his show or mine? Oh, yes, on mine, because it was a half ass story that I wouldn't have told on somebody else's show. But, uh, when, when, uh, uh, Rojan. Rojan? Oh my god. The guy from Project Archivist. Holy shit, I talk to him pretty often. Rojan, right? Or, uh, yeah, was on uh, a f- few episodes back. Uh, five-ish, maybe. Um, uh, we talked about alternate realities. Let me take a sip. Me and the only one here sucks. It's really hard to talk this long. I want a fucking sip of water. So, uh, yes... Long story short, we talked about how there was this thing going around that, um, and it's, you know, kind of a silly example, but how a lot of us remember, myself included, that the um, bears, former youth, were the Berenstein Bears. Berenstein Bears. I remember it very well. Whoever those books are, and always were, the Berenstein Bears. Uh, This caused quite uh, quite the ripple in the community, because... Um, we all fucking remember it as Berenstein. It wasn't Berenstein, but it is now, because we are in another universe. It's not the best, uh, not the best example. I mean, it's a good example, but whatever. The point is this. I don't know what the point is. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to buy for time. There was another example we talked about on that show that, uh, that I ran into. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Oh, you know what was, it was, um, um, interview, interview with a vampire, uh, which is the way that I know it. Interview with a vampire, interview with a vampire, uh, but it's interview with the vampire. Um, and we're like, oh no, that's not it. Oh, this is weird. And it's just weird that people would have the same messed up memory. So the, the obvious <laughs> conclusion is that, uh, we live in an alternate reality. That's kind of the silly example. I retold the story and I, again, it's, a half-assed story, because, I mean, telling it briefly again, basically at one point when I was younger, um, a series of events made me think that I lived in the universe next door. Weirdly enough, that just kind of leads towards um, the foundation kind of principles of Periphery, the novel that all of you should be reading, you selfish fox. Or at least lie and uh, just make up a good review and put it on Amazon. Um, so, I, uh, yeah, I was... 
40% joking. Nah. 70% joking that I live in another universe because uh, of a series of weird things. And it's it's all just trivial nonsense. I'm not going to go over it again. But um, I... Okay. Alternate universes exist. Uh, I, am, I am very sure of that. I'm as sure as that as I'm sure of any kind of anything because frankly i don't believe in much stuff i don't i don't take um don't take stock in, in belief there's not a lot of things that i think oh yeah that's definitely right um because that would be i don't know i just the idea of believing in something 100 percent just always seemed creepy to me uh so as much as i believe in anything so i believe in alternate universes alternate uh, dimensions and as much as i believe in 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 gravity uh they do exist as far as i'm concerned and as far as my uh awareness of them can be what form they take, how they take, and how consequential they are, that is an entirely different question. I suspect, and I'm not going to put a number on it, but I I feel like there is a certain operant kind of principle happening. Op not oper there's, the way it operates is that we really are kind of just thin, incredibly thin slices between realities and... Sometimes there's kind of weak points in those, sometimes there's overlaps, and I think those weak points in dimensions can, you can cross over, cross back, etc., etc., because they're so incredibly close to each other. And I think it happens all the time. It's just that since there are infinite number of dimensions, and they are essentially all very, like, in my head, the ones that are very near to one another, uh, in, in, in reality, in aspect, would be almost physically, and I'm using, and when I say physically, I'm using this very much as a metaphor, but like, uh, if you imagine them as, as slices of, of some incredibly thin material, each, each reality, the ones that are very similar to one another next to each other, and even though there might be a billion next to each other with a billion different differences, but they're kind of next, and then the ones that are like super distant in a, in a metaphorical sense are the ones that are not very much like one another. For instance, I could have woken up in a different, uh, dimension this morning and not felt a thing. It would have been fine because there was, um, a hundred air molecules are in a different spot than they were supposed to be. You know, instantaneously I slipped next door. The universe next door had that. Or maybe um, I slipped in a universe where there's one less fish. You know, you slipped in a universe where um, there was a, a dinosaur fossil was found a year earlier. You know, uh, these things where um, it's demonstrable, but it's so weird and rare and kind of far from your life. And then the ones that, that matter, like you slip in the universe where it's like, uh, which I was using as an example, like the color of a mug is different. Well, that's demonstrable. It's there and it makes you feel weird and awkward. And that's a universe that's like, it's it's close, but it is a significant difference. And when that significant difference is, is kind of in your sphere, it, it becomes noticeable and it becomes kind of physically a uh, part of you. You kind of feel it. So, you know, dinosaur fossil, unless you're a paleontologist, means nothing. Air molecules probably means nothing. You know, so it's, it's a rarity. So it's, it's rare to sw it, switching maybe like super common. We may be even doing it every second of every day, but you know, because they're all so almost exactly similar, but then, you know, there's the one that Biff finds the, um, finds the betting book and becomes like a, a super millionaire, like in fact, the future part two, this is, you know, this, you, you go, so I could be going into a reality where, you know, yesterday I took a piss at, uh, 345 instead of 333. Um, it doesn't matter. And it never, you'd never notice, even though it's part of your life, your life, you know, 
time or whatever. It's part of something that happened. It's nothing that's like immediately accessible. So you might, you know, feel a little awkward for a second, but it's like, it doesn't matter. But, you know, if it was, you know, you're in a lifetime where like, oh, you never met that person, you know, maybe I took a piss at 333, but then I ended up not meeting the love of my life or the person that was meant to kill me. That's very different. You might feel like this anxiety because of it or whatever. So I think that happens pretty often. And I believe, and when I say believe, I mean, I, I have suspicion that this is where a lot of like weird phenomena come from that. And that's why like uh, alien abduction or, uh, or UFO visitation and seeing Bigfoot and all these things tend to come with like a, an eerie feeling and you feel kind of off and odd and you're like, oh, you know, the air feels weird. You have a, a, a building sense of terror or something like, well, that's because you're technically in another universe. You're seeing another universe. Like it's like you're looking through um, that thin membrane that separates the two. That's where the weirdness comes in. That's where you're seeing strange things. And that's why a lot of the odd phenomenon can't be directly proven because it's not technically part of our reality, though it sort of is because our reality is actually multidimensional. I think. I don't know, <laughs> but that is my suspicion. And my suspicion is, frankly, um, you know, better than modern physics is what I would say. Uh, you know, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be, uh, braggadocious here, but, uh, I'm, I'm probably the leading physicist in the world. Uh, I'm obviously, uh, one of the, one of the leading heart surgeons. Uh, I am an expert in neuroplasticity, uh, obviously. And, um, and I know a lot about quantum theory and interdimensional travel, so I really feel like my opinion probably is the one you should be paying attention to. Um, all those facts are true in universes uh, that we're not currently operating, so don't take my word for it in the slightest. That was kind of fun. Japanese. That Japanese thing's going to sit with me for a while. That's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. That's like somebody hands you a piece of paper and you get so into reading and then at the end that says like, I'm a jerk or whatever. It's like, oh, you tricked me into reading a thing. Like, you know, because that's the way people talk. They're like, oh, look at that thing. I have a deck of tarot cards in front of me. We have about two minutes to burn. We're going to flip some cards over for y'all. And this is going to be a reading from me to you. This is about the future of you. This is, I'm reading the future about a female that listens to the show. And this isn't some subtle thing that I'm actually talking about someone, just to make this very clear. I, I'm actually just, uh, I'm trying to guess at attributes that this, this reading is going to apply to. Um, if you think I'm talking about you, I assure you, I'm not thinking of any specific female. Let me repeat, I'm not thinking of anybody specific. I've made a habit in the past of making people think I'm talking about them, and I'm not in this case. So, I feel like this reading applies to a lady. This lady is listening in a car. Yes, listening in a car. I feel like there, head, there might be headphones involved, I don't know. Uh, the car is a backseat. And, um, trying to picture this person. I think the person's like f shorter than me. Maybe like five, 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 six, which is a lot shorter than me. 
It's hard to tell. She's sitting down in the car. And I got nothing else. So if that applies to you, these cards are Ace of Discs. I got two of Discs. And the Princess of Cups. Well, look at that. Princess of Cup. It's a lady. I called it the Two of Discs. That obviously represents the car. <laughs> the Ace of Discs. That obviously represents the other dumb shit I just said. Oh, I suck at everything. Um, okay, so what we want to think here is, well, Princess of Cups. So that actually is femininity. Uh, it's overflowing. Um, you know, I don't know, whatever. That's good. Discs change. Change is choice. So it's changing things as a lady. And Ace of Discs is... I'm not entirely sure what Ace of Discs means. Where's that book? I mean, I sort of... No, I actually don't really know off the top of my head. I mean, I do, but not enough to say it out loud and then commit to that. I'd rather just tell you that, yes, at sometimes I forget what some things mean, and uh, I'll look it up instead of just making shit up. Root of the powers of the earth, material gain, power, wealth, labor, contentment, materiality in all senses. For Crowley, this card was an affirmation of the identity of sun and earth, spirit and flesh. So it's a female that's making a choice between affluence and, um, no, because Princess of Cups is right there. So I think it's just uh, a lady that's going to be making some loot. It's going to be feeling good about herself. Um, probably going to be getting some ass. So good job, lady. Enjoy your drive. Drive safe. Wear a seatbelt. Listen to the AlexCast. AlexCast.com. Speaking of which... Oh, go. I said speaking, which it's your... T oh, you want me to go? Okay, I'll go first. Toynbee idea. In Alex cast, resurrect dead on planet Jupiter. Alex cast idea in movie 2001, resurrect dead on planet Jupiter. Toynbee idea in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on Alex Cast. These are all good ideas. I'm not saying you make these and put them around your town. I'm just saying that if you do, there's a chance that I might send you a bunch of free shit, including a limited edition t-shirt that only I have one at this point. Signed books. Signed everything else. Stickers. Whatnot. Just saying that might be a thing. Um, I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just saying if you happen to stumble upon one, uh, that would be neat for me to see a picture of it and include your address. I say that because one of the list I was um, chatting with one of the listeners via Gmail, alexcast at gmail.com. Alex, always spelled with two X's. And um, we're talking about the Toynbee thing. And uh, he, she made a point that he, she is good at making things. And he, she may... Um, have found an Alex Cass Toynbee tile that that had nothing to do with them at all. Wink, wink. We're done. This has been an episode of a show. I hope you liked it. My name is Alex, and uh, I'm going to stop talking now. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful time. Until next, we share words and consciousnesses. I hope that the world rains loveliness and bounty upon your soul. 
watch the supermoon in um, three days. It's going to be blood red. There's going to be an eclipse. It's going to be fantastic. Um, well, the eclipse is three days. With the, whatever. Just look at the moon. It's awesome. Come on, guys. When was the last time you really looked up and went, wow, the moon. That shit's pretty fucking cool looking. I know that sounds a little hippie. It sounds like, oh, look at Alex. He's super high. But seriously, if you just try to distance yourself from your jaded piece of shit way you view everything, you jaded piece of shit. <laughs> the, moon, the moon's fucking beautiful. It's like poetry in the sky, you piece of shit. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I really do. Love you guys. Thank you so much for um, the emails, the uh, reviews on Amazon. That's very nice. Thank you, uh, Corey, Stephanie, and Alex. And if I forgot anybody else that I mentioned on the show, I'm sorry, but thank you too. Please leave me a message for next week and you can hear your voice on the show. Or just write in if you don't want to hear your voice on the show, because we all know how embarrassing that can be. You've all heard me speak. 503-468-6959 or email me alexcast at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at thealexcast. Find me everywhere. Find me. Find me, Toynbee Idea, in Kubrick's movie, 2001, Resurrect Dead, on planet Jupiter. The answer's in the Alex cast.